1: That's complicated. In that time, governments, institutions, and our egos will limit our ability to find true freedom in this life. These are real stories of real people overcoming the odds, persevering in justice, and unlocking their potential. Welcome to Finding Freedom. Here's your host, John Oderman.
0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Finding Freedom right here on the Lions of Liberty Network. Of course, Lions of Liberty, the network we have here. Every week, we have three shows. We kick things off on Monday with this show, Finding Freedom. On Wednesday, we have Mean Age Daydream with uh, Brian McWilliams. And on Friday, we have a host of different shows. Uh, Lately, it's been Meme Wars. We're going to try to do Meme Wars at least two or three times a month. Um, We mix in a show that Brian does with Robbie the Fire Bernstein called Hate Watch. And we also, we haven't done one for a while, but maybe this next month in March, we will do another episode of our famous Libertarians in Living Rooms Drinking Liquor. So you can get that three shows per per week here on Lions of Liberty. Okay, Um, I do want to make a quick announcement before today's show. I got a great guest lined up for you. Brian Nichols, good friend of mine, good friend of Lines of Liberty, will be speaking with him about local politics and how you can actually, you know, win and make changes through local politics. Which, to a lot of uh, people in the Liberty movement, um, it's it's something they've never even considered before actually winning and making an impact at the at the local level. But before I get to introducing Brian, I want to let everyone know about a change, a a uh, enhancement we are making to our Patreon program. So you can join our patron Patreon program at Lions of Liberty. Um, or sorry at patreon.com slash lines of liberty. And uh, what we're doing for our $15 per month and up patrons, every quarter we're gonna bring on a different expert. I'm a different individual uh, you know, in the field of the liberty movement, the comedy space, business, entrepreneurship, um, whatever. So we're going to do this four times a year. The first one is going to be coming up uh, this month, and it's going to be with Robbie the Fire Bernstein. Um, so Brian and I are going to be talking with Robbie the Fire. Uh, it's going to be uh, fantastic. It's going to be enlightening. It's only going to be available to people who sign up for our Lions of Liberty Pride at $15 and up level? Now, this first one, this first one, I think, I think Brian and I are gonna make it available to everyone in the Pride. But after that, after this first one, we will be uh, restricting it to just those patrons who are at $15 and up. So make sure to join the Pride, um, patreon.com slash Lions of Liberty, or you can join us. On locals, lions of So check that out. And that's all I got for today. Let's uh let's just get right into today's interview with Brian Nichols. Okay, we're live to the Lions of Liberty Pride, and I'm joined by Brian Nichols of the Brian Nichols Show. Um, he is a five-day per week podcast that focuses on sales and marketing strategies to win in business and politics. And it's a new book out, "How to Win Your Local Election," which is something that personally I am very um, interested in. So, looking forward to speaking with him about that. Brian, welcome to Finding Freedom, man.
1: John, good to talk to you again, my man. How you doing? And uh, thank you for having me on the show. Looking forward to uh, to digging into things.
0: Yeah, I I was. Have I had you? Did I have you on the show when it was Felony Friday? I can't remember. I don't know. This is the first time you've been on the the show many
1: a time, but I don't know if I've been on your show.
0: I don't know if I have either. I know that, yeah, I've been on your show. I think Mark had you on, Lions. Yeah, of Liberty I've been on with
1: Mark many a time. Yeah. Times.
0: yeah. So either way, great to have you here, man. And uh, you know, that's that's my fault. I haven't had you on, if that is in fact the case. Um, uh, because you are not only one of the hardest working people in uh in the podcast world, as we just talked pre-show, I did not realize you were doing a five day per week podcast still. Um, That is, I mean, that is a commitment. So I mean, tremendous, tremendous respect for that. And I kind of want to start out there talking about your podcast. Tell my audience, tell the Lions of Liberty audience, the Find Your Freedom audience about your show, what it's all about and what people can expect when they tune in.
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, I started my show back in 2018, much like many other libertarian shows, which is a bunch of libertarians sitting around talking about why we're libertarian, why we're right, and uh, how great it is to be a libertarian. And I did that for about two years or so. And I realized that I wasn't really, I mean, I, I I was having great conversations, but beyond that, what was I accomplishing? And not just for me, but for the greater movement. What were we doing beyond just talking to each other within our own echo chambers? So, my day job, I'm in the sales world and I, you know, I work in this, you know, greater B2B space working with some Fortune, you know, 500 down companies and we're, you know, talking about how we can help them in the world of cybersecurity and te- uh, business technology. And I was like, you know, there's stuff I'm doing here. And at this time, I was leading a sales team when I was out in Philadelphia. And I was like, there's stuff I teach my sales team that I could teach the Greater Liberty Movement to help us be more effective at not just talking to people, but actually getting people on board with our ideas. So about like mid 2020 or so, had a real switch, and it was really during the uh, the COVID pandemic when this all happened mm-hmm. because I saw. Now more than ever, it was important for us to stop arguing and start being successful. So we started talking about how do we sell liberty. And with that, I actually wrote my first ebook, which was How to Sell Liberty to Friends and Family in Four Easy Steps, and uh, outlined just specifically how you go through. Do you start, you know, engaging in conversations with guns blazing, or do you start by planting seeds and having more organic conversations with, cl- you know, folks who actually care about you and people that, frankly, you care about the most as well. So we talk about that we talk about strategy messaging skills that we use in the world of business that are effective in helping win sales what can we use when we're trying to win elections or to win converts right so mm-hmm. over the past 2 years we've really made that the focus i guess 3 years now wow uh, going on 3 years is sell liberty and how do we effectively do that so with that, yes, you mentioned it, five days a week uh, we have a show, uh, and we, we diversify, right? We have usually three days a week we'll have a guest in the show, and that guest is going to be on the show talking about usually their, their solutions they're bringing to the table in the private sector, a lot of folks in the nonprofit space, a lot of candidates Uh, economists, you go through it, talking about the problems we see out there and the solutions we can bring to the table. Um, And then the other two days are usually going to be one-on-one days, uh, coaching days, where I sit down with the audience, we'll have a a 10-minute or so episode, and it's literally just sitting down and talking about a particular issue and how we can effectively talk about it or skills that we can learn and how to Understand. So, like instead of trying to block or overcome objections, instead treat them like concerns. And with that understanding that they're concerns, try to address people's concerns. So, just reframing things and how we can stop trying to win arguments and instead win hearts and minds. Right. And I know that sounds very cliche but at the end of the day that also led to why I wrote my new ebook how to win your local election because I saw a lot of folks who were talking a big game and I said all right let's put our money where our mouth is and actually help get some folks into local office where we have the most success so taking the principles we talk about in the greater sales uh, world and then applying it to the local uh, world for for a local election so yeah man it's been a wild journey a lot of fun and I'm really excited to see where we're headed so
0: yeah, so I'm curious to get your your take on a couple things before we get into talking about the book. So yeah. just just in general, I mean you're talking about sales and marketing applying those strategies from business to uh to the political realm, to you know from anywhere from talking to uh, you know family relatives at the Thanksgiving table to actually, you know, running a uh, political race. Right. And I'm curious like how how similar is it really, you know, from a sales perspective somebody you know, selling a product, selling a software, either to a consumer or like you do business to business to actually, you know, talking to a constituent, you know, talking to a voter. How, how similar is that interaction? I mean, are, is, is it really the, the same process? Same church,
1: different pew. Um, if you think about it, the the reason it's very similar is because at the point that we know there's a transaction going on, the mm-hmm. customer or the voter, the the red flags go up, right? The, the alarm bells, they're instantly going to be in that high alert phase because they know they're being sold to and people right. don't like being sold to. So to be able to sell without selling, right? That is what we talk about on the show is how do we have these conversations where and, and you talk about the business world, right? Being a sales guy, there is this cliche of the used car salesman kind of approach to sales, selling people things they don't need. I used to hate the cliche of, wow, that guy could sell ice to an Eskimo. It's like, no, that you you shouldn't sell ice to an Eskimo because Eskimos don't need ice. And doesn't able- solve a problem, right? Exactly. Yeah. And like understanding that not everybody, right, is going to be your target market. To understand that your product, your service, your solution isn't going to be the right fit for everybody at that moment in time. So I think in that perspective, when you're talking about candidates, right, it's who's your target market when you're a candidate. If you're going out and you're trying to preach the same message to every single person and expect to have success, you're going to be really disappointed at the, the voting box when it comes election day because people are motivated usually on emotional drivers. And you as the candidate have to figure out what are the top emotional drivers in your your community that you can make your main issues for your campaign and then address those. Talk to the uh, the, the, the constituents about those issues. Make it a highlight of your campaign. Use it mm-hmm. on social media. And then that's where you're going to have more success. But just going out and trying to be this one size fits all approach to messaging—it's squishy, right. it's ineffective, and it's just going to be a big waste of time and money.
0: Yeah, and a lot of the stuff we're, we're talking about right now is is in the uh, in the book. So we've already gotten into it, yep. but um, and I don't want to go through you know point by point or anything. People <laughs> should people should read it. It's it's short. It's to the point. Yeah. It's you know outlined in a way that's very easy to read. So. Um, I guess first, before we go any farther, where, where can people pick it up? Where, what do people do to get it?
1: Yeah, for sure. So it's really easy. You can either go to my, my website, which is Uh, Really easy. It's right there at the homepage. You can see on the uh, the top of the website, it says free ebook, uh, how to win local election. Or if you're an old fashioned, uh, fuddy duddy like me, you can just do the old, uh, good old fashioned URL. So it's com forward slash win local. And all I need is your email address, because then we'll just go ahead and fire it over. I,
0: I totally forgot about listing URLs. We actually used to do that Lines of Liberty. We would like name every show and say it at the beginning, lines slash whatever the show name was. Yep. But yeah, people just don't really do that anymore. I guess. Yeah, so you know, I guess you you we are old. old right? and all stuff, yeah. <laughs> um, so let's let's talk about a couple of key aspects here that I'm really interested in because yeah. uh, I'm in Pennsylvania. And one thing that the you know Libertarian Party of Pennsylvania has done relatively well over the past several years is they've found local races, a lot of the times with nobody even running, and it's basically a free seat and you're running... And your book is not really targeted at that. Your book is targeted at really beating someone, winning a local election. Yes, you are winning a local election when you're running unopposed, but you're kind of just filling the seat. So I'm I'm curious, is a part of this finding a race that you can win? Is that a part of winning local elections? I mean, it seems kind of crazy to even ask that question, but I feel like a lot of people don't
1: actually – look at that part of it before they decide to run for a race. Yeah. And, and frankly, you're, I mean, that's the unspoken reality that we need to start speaking, right? It needs to start Mm -hmm. being the spoken reality is that there are races that you're not going to win. And we think in the libertarian party that we can just like overcome that reality. And that's just not the case. So to spend your resources and allocate them effectively, that's going to be key, right? And as a candidate to know where you should spend the most valuable resource you have, which is what your time, right? So mm-hmm. if you're if you're in a you know, for example, I was in Philadelphia. Would it have made sense for me to have gone out, spent hours knocking on doors, going on subways, you know, going to to name the the you know, go to the the grocery stores in Philadelphia to try and win as a libertarian? No, I and I know that I I can acknowledge that because. Philadelphia I think is 85% plus democrat. So with that in mind, no, I'm not going to waste my time versus if I'm in a small, I don't know, eastern Indiana town like I am now where I moved out of uh, Philadelphia, now I I can see yeah, there would be more of a a chance for me to make a real impact, but also have success, right, to run yeah. as a big L libertarian, maybe not even, this, you know, you mentioned a, a seat where it's unopposed. But yeah, to be a differentiator where somebody's running unopposed in a, an incumbent in a seat, be a, a, a challenger to them and actually be a foil, right, to, to serve as a real alternative. And then based on the fact that you have more pull in your community, based just on your, your numbers, right, one out of 20, mm-hmm. 30, 50,000, whatever it may be, versus one out of 4 million, it it the numbers right there just play in that favor, but also just it, it plays in favor across the board. Like use this math. Look, if your district is 85 percent Republican or 85 percent Democrat, I mean maybe not spend that time going on those specific races, unless there's the uncontested seats. But maybe there's another spot that you could you could spend time running for. Do that or get involved in other areas. I mean. And that's the other thing. Know your lane, right? Like you don't have to necessarily go in and be a candidate all the time. There's other roles. Like I, I'm not running for office. I'm trying to help other people who are running for office. So just, I think that's another part of it too, is just because you can run for office doesn't mean you should, um, especially in places where you're just not going to waste. It, it's going to be a big waste of time, more or less. So, so I
0: take it that you would not be in favor of the libertarian strategy. I think they've changed over the past couple of years, but I remember four years ago, it was a libertarian in every race. I, I take it. You would be against that strategy.
1: Yeah. Cause not only is that like that. So let's just look at that from a business perspective, right? Like yeah. how much of a waste of resources, imagine if McDonald's like going back to the fifties and sixties, when they were becoming McDonald's, if mm-hmm. their plan was to just have a McDonald's in, Every single state instantly overnight, right? Let's not even look at the
0: economics of it. Let's just put McDonald's on every street corner.
1: Right. It just doesn't make sense. And you you laugh at the idea because it is a silly idea. It's a silly prospect. And the same thing is true with, well, we're just going to run a libertarian every race. Okay. Well, (laughs) good luck with that because that means it gives you zero opportunity to focus on those races specifically. It gives you zero Mm -hmm. chance to really figure out which races are going to have the most – ability to to win right but also where where to allocate your time where to to send you know volunteers to send door knockers like that's stuff that if you're just trying to do this you know throw it at the wall and hope it sticks approach it's it's just it's 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 like 1990s like smile and dial sales like what are we doing Mm -hmm. it's 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 not it's not effective, right? It's just a waste of time. And I want us to be more effective. And, and frankly, John, and you know this, right? Like we have to, we we can't waste our time. We can't waste our resources because of the situation we find ourselves in. We are the RC Cola of political parties. We are the third place party. And it's not even close, right? Like we're, we're a fraction of the other parties and we will continue to be a fraction of the other parties until we do something different and this is why i say we have to start isolating like what where we spend our time and our resources and work smarter not harder
0: Let's talk uh, fundraising here, because I mean I've talked about this a lot. You know that that's really I think the biggest separator between you know any third party, be it libertarians or Green Party or Andrew Yang's party, whatever he's doing, the Forward Party. I I think it's still called that. What
1: does that mean? What 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 (laughs) is a for like forward for what? To, right off the cliff? I it,
0: it, I, I think it just yeah, I, just going just going forward. I, wasn't that Hillary Clinton's slogan "Forward"? It when she was references? that's right. I, yeah. I thought it felt familiar
1: yeah. and also very creepy. Yeah,
0: yeah, it was. Yeah, it felt so very <laughs> creepy. That's a good way to describe Hillary Clinton. Um, I, I first wanted to ask you about fundraising and kind of your thought on how you know these smaller campaigns can build out a fundraising campaign to actually. Not only bring in, um, you know, the funds to do some things, but you know, put a plan in place to to spend it and keep you know donors engaged and things like that. But I, I do have a second piece of it, which I'll come back and ask. It has to do with, you know, really just the general landscape of Republicans and Democrats, the whole political landscape. I see shifting av- around fundraising away from that top down, um, you know, Republican Democrat. Uh, huge, whatever they call their funds, the DNC, the RNC, yep. kind of were able to control their their candidates. So let's do the first part first with the the, the little parties and, and how they can compete, and then we'll then we'll dive in deeper.
1: For sure, and, and for smaller parties, and, and I look at even if you're a local candidate, let's say you are running as a Republican or Democrat for that matter, like it is tough to get the funds, regardless, unless you already have those pre-existing relationships. Many times. So I would say to start things off, like build a list of immediate friends, family, coworkers, uh, you know, relatives, church friends, like uh, community event friends, whatever it may be, and and literally go through that list of friends and say, you know, hey, I'm running for local office. Um, yeah, I'm looking to to reach out to some folks that mean a lot to me to figure out what means a lot to you guys about issues in the community. Figure out what their issues are, right? And then when you figure out their issues, when you finish up the call, say, "Hey, listen, you know, I I agree. I really want to tackle X, Y, Z. And if you would be, you know, willing to donate two hundred dollars to help me get started, I, it would mean the world. You know, can we can we do two hundred dollars today? It's awkward. It's uncomfortable, mm-hmm. right? But to start things off, you have to do things that are going to be a little awkward and uncomfortable when you're you're kicking off your campaign from a fundraising standpoint. And this is across the board, whether it's fundraising from a local campaign. Dude, I was in a, a congressional campaign back in, in the 2010s. And I remember I got a phone call. So I was the body guy for the candidate. That means literally I was with the candidate like 24-7. We drove across the district a bajillion times. And the, the, the campaign manager calls me and he's like, Brian, we need him to do fundraising calls. Like, so we need you to like, just t- like when you see him just on his phone, tell him to do fundraising calls. And that was like part of my job and to get a congressional candidate, right? A millionaire congressional candidate, mind you, to just do fundraising calls. Was, was like this a
0: Republican or a Libertarian? It was,
1: it was, a, it was, it was yeah. a Republican. Yeah. This is back yeah. in the 2010s. Yeah. Um, so like I, <clears throat> to see that it was like, oh, wow, the, to have that be pulling teeth as a, mm-hmm. a you know, congressional candidate, just imagine for you local candidates, the same thing is going to be true, right? So yeah. bite the bullet, start doing you know the, the list of calls. That's number one. But number two, and this goes to the meeting people where they're at on the issues they care about. When you talk to your voters and you figure out what are those key issues, right, you can start to tailor – your content that you're promoting as a candidate, right? And don't rely on the corporate media to take to take your narrative forward. You can start to set it and build authentic relationships with your constituents one-on-one through the, the channels we have available and start to build that relationship there. And once you you for, uh, start to focus on those specific issues th- that they really matter to people, you're gonna get people not only involved, but emotionally connected. And once that emotional connection happens, then they start to feel that you are an extension of solving that problem. And that's where they're going to be more likely not only to donate themselves and financially support your campaign, but then they become super fans, right? We talked about this with my good buddy, Mm -hmm. Chris Guazetta. He's a marketing professor and he did a lot in the music industry and the importance of creating super fans where they not only like your product, but they go out and actively promote your product. The same thing is going to mm-hmm. be true here where you're you're getting your constituents or your voters to be super fans, where they're not just promoting you. They're now getting other people on board, and hopefully they're going to be donating as well. And this is what Obama did, did really well. This is what Trump did really well. Ron Biden, Paul. That was yeah, Ron, Ron Paul's Paul, whole campaign. I was in the yeah. basement, so he doesn't really count. But yeah, Ron Paul, exactly. Like You get people yeah. to mobilize. And it, I mean, heck, even Bernie Sanders, right? You want to look at the other side too. Bernie Sanders, yeah, his yeah. fans w- would stick with him pretty much till the end. And and that speaks to, because they believe him, they believe in him, right? Not just who he is as a politician, but what he represents. There's more to it. So um, that would speak to, I guess, you know, the importance of really building the authentic connection. And what was your second question there, John? I'm sorry.
0: Oh yeah, no, I mean, yeah. My, my second question, so the whole thing that happened with uh you know Speaker McCarthy not being able to get the votes mm-hmm. um, with the uh the you know the recent House election, which obviously he did end up getting them, and kind of my observation from that was we're seeing you know people like Matt Gates and uh, uh, what's the other one's name, uh, Bobert is it is it Lauren, oh, Bobert, Lauren Bobert yeah uh, from uh, yeah from Colorado mm-hmm. and and many others I just don't know their names were able to kind of just like stand in the gap and i think they did accomplish some some decently, you know, worthwhile things from doing so and got some uh, mm-hmm. concessions but i think they were able to do so in that their fundraising and i think this is going to start to become really a theme in politics on both sides democrats and republicans Like people like uh, like AOC are able to kind of just stand on their own and fundraise across the country, you know, based on based on having a bunch of super fans. Really, essentially, they they become you know this level of influencer almost, Uh, and the parties are unable to control them. I I just kind of wanted to get your get your take on on that aspect of politics kind of shifting.
1: Oh, I love it, right? Because you talk about barriers to entry, and you know, you talk to Justin Amash at all, and. Mm-hmm. For any, I mean, this is not to anybody who has any uh, critiques or, or beef with him. This is more so his his history of what he experienced when he was in Congress, right? And you want to talk about how sausage is made, <laughs> the behind the scenes in terms of being able to bring just just ideas to to leadership as ideas mm-hmm. in order to get there to, to you know, did you do your fundraising goals right to get on committee assignments? All this stuff, it's all through pulling the the, the purse strings. So if you eliminate that as the barrier to entry all of a sudden suddenly what are they going to do like what is the means for them to really effectively maintain control beyond just the the structural stuff and even in that case they're having trouble getting people on board because you just saw what happened when 20 some odd uh congress folks could just go ahead and say no we're not going to go on board with this so I think to your point, right? It goes to the super fans. They they have now been able to almost monetize beyond their constituent base. They they become these figures, right? I mean AOC's getting thousands, sometimes millions of folks watching her doing her her little, you know, like cooking in the kitchen and complaining about gas <laughs> stove while using a gas stove. And yeah. it it speaks to the the politics has gotten much more then the, the the like the the processes that we political folk we we like to talk about like we like how that system like to talk about the the system itself and and all the behind the scenes stuff but your average person is looking at your your politicians more in this celebrity type of mentality right they they look to the figure they look to find that emotional connection on top of the issues connection. So when you can bridge those two worlds together, it's a perfect storm. That's why Matt Gates has, you know, such an ability to build up a great, you know, audience, but also to build trust with his constituents. And and likewise, you look on the other side of the table. We mentioned Bernie Sanders, AOC. They they have the same abilities. So I think there's a lot to learn from that and and how to effectively take your your ideas and to then be able to use it in a, in a strategic way, right? To, to activate not just your voters, but also those who would financially support you across the board.
0: Yeah. It, I mean, it's really the, you know, P- libertarians love to talk about decentralization. And I don't think you're ever going to get the money out of mm-hmm. politics, right? Po- right? Politicians have power. There's I mean, always going to be spe- yeah. special interests, you know, yeah. somehow are going to weasel way in there. But if you can at least diversify the influence of those special interests that, I mean, I don't think that can be a bad thing. It, it, I mean, it's just more competition, which I think is, is almost a good thing no matter what. So that'll be interesting to watch that unfold. And I think it's going to ha- happen pretty rapidly and accelerate pretty rapidly, especially in the next two to four years here. So it'll be, it'll be cool to watch. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Um, wanted to talk about, you had a, a quote in your book and I'm going to, I've heard this many different ways, but essentially it boils down to what gets measured gets managed. Yes. And one of my biggest criticisms of the Libertarian Party, of Libertarian campaigns, is so many times it's just, I'm running for office, support me. What's what's your goal in running for office? Uh, I don't know. 'm I'm, I'm, I'm running for office because we need a libertarian on the ballot back in the why day am, why the am I, I giving a check
1: on Twitter that's what they wanted
0: <laughs> yeah why am i giving you money I I, I don't know so what, uh, these smaller campaigns and it could be libertarian it could be green party it could be an independent campaign whatever you know I, how do they set a goal what's an ex- some examples of goals that they could set if they can't win because um, a lot of these races they can't win to be able to show that you know
1: Measure progress against it. Yep. Larry Sharp is a great example of someone I would refer to to see exactly that situation, right? You you ran, you didn't win, but how do we measure success? So what did Larry do? Now Larry obviously did it a little bit differently because he did it on a state scale, but you know, he started up. How many different libertarian um, chapters across New York state? I forget the number, but he went to every single county multiple times over. He even went up to visit my home county, which is like the far, like the farthest north you can go in New York state without hitting Canada. He went all the way up there multiple times. Right. And he was able to build a movement in that regards. I would also say you can look to see is how many folks were openly willing to give you their contact information for you to then have on the email list that you can own in the future to stay in contact with them, right? Because those are folks... That you will be able to leverage in the future for future campaigns or for future movements, right? So it doesn't even have to be a, a necessarily a campaign in the future. It could be a cause issue where now you have an email list that you can leverage. Um, also, I would say it you can look at the dollars that you raised. You can you can leverage you know, even if you didn't win your campaign or your your, uh, your race. Even if you have some funds that are still on hand to be able to reinvest those in the future and plan for future campaigns, use that as a learning opportunity. But also now you have some funds that you can start to maybe use for marketing and, and get your name more out there now that you already have some name recognition. So like off the top of my head, those would be like the like three easiest ways probably to, uh, to measure.
0: Yeah, it's I mean... Uh I think there's so many libertarians just come at it with almost in the plan. And another thing Larry Sharp did that, that is great is he used his campaign as an opportunity. And you talk about this in the book um, of actually building a campaign team. I mean, you talk about, you know, I- ideal campaign structure in the book mm-hmm. and you know, really, he really taught people how to run campaigns. And that's another right. thing we talked about how, you know, libertarians um, they wanted to have a libert, you know, a candidate on every ballot. Well, if you're a candidate on, on every ballot, you don't, no one's learning how to be a campaign manager or a right. treasurer or, or anything else. So I, I thought that was a, a really interesting aspect of uh, Sharp's campaigns as well. So with regards to the book or anything else that you're you're working on or want to talk about, is there anything that when you came on this show and you were like, I really hope that John asks me this question or about this topic or this subject – and I didn't ask you. Is there anything that I missed that that you is, really want to Is this the part on? where I
1: get to be a sales guy? Because John, you, the one I, thing I just, that you didn't I just put, didn't put it up on a T for you and you can smack it out of the park. <laughs> the one thing you didn't ask me was, well, hey, everything in this book sounds great. I read the book. Everything looks great in the book, but like maybe I still want the the training wheels, right? What mm-hmm. can I do? Well, John, Thank you for asking. We have our candidate school over at the the, the Patreon. So if you want to go ahead and join not just yours truly, but also a network of other candidates who are running for local office right now, we have folks. Who are running for city council, running for mayor. And what we also have is folks coming on the, the, I almost said on the show, on the Patreon to talk who are also past candidates who have run for local elections. And what we're learning is the things that have been successful, but also from folks who have lost their elections so we can learn what they did wrong, what they Mm -hmm. would have done differently in the past we're networking, we're working together, having collaborative conversations, bouncing ideas off each other. So if you want to be a part of this awesome group of our Candidate School, it's over on our website, Uh, You can go ahead, and find the link there. Or if you're looking, again, for those uh, pretty redirects, it's com forward slash Candidate School. And uh, it's nine ninety five a month, right? And this is the, the thing I think A lot of folks, when they run for office and they're looking for help, they start to Google like, okay, political consultant fees. They're like $10,000 and they they instantly stop Googling because they're terrified what's going to come next. And I saw that as an issue. So I said, for local candidates, we need to be able to eliminate that barrier to entry. So I thought 10 bucks, less than 10 bucks a month. We're having this type of a, a network for folks to access. I thought that was a pretty darn good deal. So, if folks are interested, again, uh, link over at uh, briannickelshow.com forward slash candidate school.
0: Yeah, solving a problem. I love it. And uh, also, let people know, once again, where they can find the podcast in your social media and anything else.
1: Cool. Thank you, John. Yes. So, if you want to go ahead and continue the conversation with yours truly, you can find me at B Liberty. I'm on Twitter. Facebook, pretty much anywhere. There's social media, but Twitter and Facebook are where I'm definitely most active, uh, especially over on Twitter. That's where, uh, uh, you know, Elon has let me uh, be free now. Thank you, Elon. Um, otherwise, you want to go ahead and email me, Brian at com. and ask for the podcast. Yes, instead of uh, focusing on winning arguments, we're teaching people how to win uh, hearts and minds by talking about sales and marketing as they apply to the world of business and to politics. You can find us uh, Monday through Friday, five days a week, over at briannickleshow Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever it is you get your podcasts. Uh, you can go ahead search the Brian Nickel Show. We should show up. And then, if you like the uh, video version of the show, you can go ahead and find us over on YouTube odyssey and over on rumble and when you're there of course hit the subscribe button and the little notification bell so you don't miss a single time that we go live when we have awesome guests like uh, john odermatt and mark claire and brian mcwilliams from the amazing lines of liberty though we do miss our good friend mark claire though he's he's still rocking on roll he's still doing great yeah. things so
0: good, he's to see doing you. well mark's mark's doing great things but uh Brian Nichols, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. And uh, I know people really enjoyed this. And so I want to encourage everyone go check out Brian's podcast. If you haven't, buy the book and everything else Brian is working on. It's we'll free. Talk soon, buddy. It's a
1: free book. You don't even have to buy it. It's oh, free.
0: It's, oh, my God. That's right. It's free. I Yeah, I, I just thought it was a gift to me. I thought you made it free for me, but I guess it's free for everybody. Free for everyone. There you go. All right. We'll see you, buddy. See you, bud. Thanks. All right. Hope you guys enjoyed that conversation with Brian Nichols. He is a uh, a good guy and a, a good friend of mine. I always enjoy getting to speak with Brian. Um, I, I love the way that he approaches politics. And you know the the more and more I was going to say the older I get, but it's not really the older I get. It's just sort of the way I, I've evolved in, in the past, uh, you know, four to five years, where I am just so disgusted. With uh, federal politics, with the uh, you know greater Republican Party, Libertarian Party, all of the uh, mudslinging, the the back and forth, just just a waste of time, just literally wasting people's time. I've I've had enough of it. So it's refreshing for me to see someone like Brian and his approach to politics, approaching it from a marketing standpoint, from a sales standpoint, and from the standpoint of we are going to put a plan in place have goals set ahead of time to define what winning is what does winning look like at the end of this campaign what will need to happen if you be able to say I won and not in every um, scenario will it actually mean that you you know won the race per se it could be a stepping stone to an another eventual actual, um, you know win of, of an office or something like that but defining your goals and objectives is so freaking important and Brian lays that out in his book um, I suggest everyone go out pick it up invaluable information I will link to everything um, that Brian talked about um, his program that he has <clears throat> and uh, and the book and and everything else that he's put together so I would encourage you if you are someone who is you know a little bit crazy, and wants to get involved locally, maybe do a run for school board or your local mayor or county commissioner or something like that. If you're just feeling a little squirrely and, and you, you want to get involved, you want to make some noise and shake things up and actually impact change because you can do that at the local level. You can't really do that at the at the federal or even the state level. If you want to shake things up, I really encourage you to go the Brian Nichols Avenue through this and uh, and learn um, from him and learn from others in that uh, that sphere of influence. So yeah, that's the only thing I wanted to do was just reinforce what we talked about um, during that interview. And one more thing is just to remind you, we talked about the pride at the top, the changes we're making quarterly. We're going to bring on some experts in different fields of uh, the liberty and greater freedom movement. Really excited about it. Um, The other thing I would say is check out the Lions of Liberty store. You know we have great T-shirt designs, guys. We have some new ones that are up right at the top of the page that have to do with uh, with the jabby jab and uh, the pharmaceutical companies, and uh, they're pretty entertaining designs. And I really want to encourage you to check them out. You know, buy them for a friend, buy them for your your mom and dad for their birthday, for your your siblings, your uh, grandkids, your sons, your daughters, anybody. Buy them for anybody, store. Let's spread that message. Let's shock people with the message of liberty and freedom. So I will talk to you all next week. Next Monday, I have an awesome episode. I've already recorded it. I'm super excited about it. I'm going to tease it right here. If you like tortilla chips, if you like to you know snack on tortilla chips, maybe some fresh salsa, maybe a little queso, maybe, maybe enjoy that. I do. I love that. But the one thing I hate is every single brand of tortilla chip out there is either, one, unhealthy, or two, pretends to be healthy and isn't unhealthy, or three, is kind of healthy and tastes like garbage. So there's no middle ground yet. But I'm talking next week, next Monday, with the founder of Masa Chips, the first tortilla chip that is fried in grass fed beef tallow. Awesome deal. I'm going to have a deal lined up for you guys to get them at a discount through our affiliate link. So we'll talk about that next week. I will see you all next week. In the meantime, always remember to keep your head up and the fires of Liberty burning.